Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest on West Coast Live, to tie in with the, uh, the musical theme in part, says in, in one part I just noticed on the book flap jacket, her heart was broken in high school, first by a boy who looked like Bob Dylan, and shortly thereafter by one who looked like Leonard Cohen. <laughs> wow! Not Leonard Feather, but Leonard Cohen. Uh, anyway, she has uh, illustrated uh, many books and tells stories. She has a fascinating blog uh, on the New York Times, and, and uh, which tells of, of, of history in quite moving and profound ways. Some of her books include In the Pursuit of Happiness and the Principles of Uncertainty, and children's books. And then she's worked with Dan Handler in a new uh, book called Why We Broke Up. And she also collaborated with uh, Michael Pollan on a book called Food Rules, uh, a book uh, designed uh, to sort of simplify all of Michael Pollan's writing <laughs> and clarify it with her illustrations. Please welcome Myra Coleman to West Coast Live. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad the chair didn't break. All right. No, no. <laughs> How are you? Fine. I'm nice to nice to see you. I uh, you. I was I was showing my daughter today the, your your uh, blog with the, that you've done the history of George Washington, which is really fantastic. Thank you. Who looked? Well, you have your, like your mother. You have a mother in a white coat and white hair, looking like George Washington. But that's a that's a photograph. That's a photograph. She wasn't trying to look like George Washington. It just the resemblance is uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to note it that uh, he's all around me. That's a that's a very a moving series of, of pieces that you've done, r- ranging from from American soldiers to the, the founding father of the country. And, you know, uh, history is clearly important for you. Not at all. No. <laughs> and the, the actually that was the reason that I that I did this year because I did a year for the Times of the principles of uncertainty, which was just about introspection in my life and a journal of what was going on with me. And then when I when I said to do the next year, they said, I said, I don't want to do anything about myself. What do you, you know, what do I not know anything about or care less about history and politics? So um, Obama had just been elected and it was a, a time of great hope and it seemed so far, so far away. And, uh, and a year of exploring American history became incredibly fascinating. And I fell in love with Abraham Lincoln in the, you know, on, on route, like truly in love and jealous of Mary Todd Lincoln, <laughs> insanely jealous. I forgot about Bob Dylan. I went right to Abraham Lincoln. But. Mary Todd Lincoln, I mean, was she given some substance that made her seem like she was insane? Well, she, she was in a mental, after he died, her, her son did put her in a mental institution, but only for a few months. He was very kind to her. Where, where do you get this? Uh, this uh, is it? Is it your handwriting, or is it a font, or something that your your printing that goes along with your illustrations is so distinctively yours? It is. I've always loved penmanship, and I and I still have the pen that I used in sixth grade. Pen, you know, penmanship is something like art, or you know, it's calligraphy, and there's you know, illuminated books, and it's th- there's a there's a wonderful relationship to the printed page and the and forming the word and language, which I adore. So, my handwriting uh, pops up and gives me pleasure. Do you have a certain palette that you prefer, a color palette? All, all colors. I use all colors. I favor all colors. And I, I paint in gouache. So mixing paints and you know, writing and painting is an incredible compliment because you can be writing one minute, and then you're painting the next minute. And, um, and so I'm just responding to what I see. When, when you, uh, are you always in, uh, do you ever change your mind after you put some words onto a painting? 
And then, if so, how do you fix that? I never put the words onto a painting. They're all, because I do change my mind quite till the very last minute, they're on overlays, as we say in the biz. So ah. I don't paint, I don't write onto the painting unless I, I, you know, I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be changed. I like this illustration for don't eat anything your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. You've got a bottle that kind of looks like black hand lotion or something called extrudo uh, <laughs> sauce. Yeah, I mean, working with Michael, it was, it's, it's, it really looks like the elements of style, the food rules is an incredible book because there are, it's, it's so humanistic, it's not dogmatic, it's not, oh, you have to do this, other, you know, or you're a wretched person. When he first asked me to work with him, I told him that I love cheese doodles. I had to confess. <laughs> Michael, cheese doodles are really important in our family. And, um, and he smiled and said, that, you know, that's okay, my, my friend, uh, but you'll, you'll be healed. No, but he also, <laughs> he, he also um, favors a, a, a junk food once in a while, I'm sure. So anyway, there's a, there's a real humanity about it and a sense of humor. The, uh, the sense of humor, I think, is, is pervasive in your drawings, but also, I mean, that is that sense of humanity, a compassion for who it is that you're, that you're, you're drawing, unless you're lampooning them, I suppose. I never lampoon anybody, though. I mean, I really don't, because to me, to be cynical or sarcastic is not at all what I want to do. What I want to do is convey my absolute adoration of all of the things that I see around me, uh, no, knowing that the world is absurd and often horrific and tragic, but that there are moments there that... We, hundreds of times during the day where you can see something that gives you a sense of optimism and hope. And those are the things that are all around you. Yeah. Uh, seven years old, you were drawing all the time? I was writing all the time. Writing? I, thought I, was gonna be a, I thought I was gonna be a writer, one who wrote. And when I decided that my writing was really awful, uh, in college, I decided, somebody said, well, why don't you, you know, it was draw, why don't you draw? And Saul Steinberg was, had a big show at the time. There were a lot of influences that I was looking at, of course, and I started to draw. And then children's books became a way to draw and write at the same time and to use, to either be smart and stupid at the same time, which is my favorite thing, more stupid than smart. Now, how would you, how would you do that? I mean, I mean, you can, I mean, you had to have been smart to know that you were being stupid, right? Well, thank you for saying so. <laughs> I mean, as, a, as, a, as an angle. Right. So, uh, in, your, in your collaboration with uh, Daniel Handler, uh, does he like junk food? What kind of junk food does he like? <laughs> we've been on the road for three weeks together. You have no idea what we've been eating. I won't even tell you. It's, we had, first, we started with you know, organic apricots. Well, that soon went, went way, way. And we were deep into Cheetos and, uh, and, and hamburgers and such. I mean, we're on the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I uh, uh, to drop a name. Anyway, I was yes, I'm dropping a name. I, I had uh, drinks with Julia Child in her house once in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. She'd invited me. I didn't just drop by. And <laughs> she says, uh, "Would you like something to eat?" And I thought, "Oh yeah, that's yeah, fantastic." And she goes over to this big bin and she pulls out stuff and she puts it in a bowl. It's Pepperidge Farm goldfish. <laughs> I just love these goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the delicacies of American food. Yeah. yeah, so you have to you have to try everything. Yeah, but she served it with a very nice German white wine, which was you know. Really <laughs> she knew how to pair it. That's really. Pair that's it. Good. In the in the Dan Handler book, uh, there are some pages which which you know you've done kind of like a Rothko. Thank you again for saying yeah. so. I mean, uh, there are just these panels of of, of color and and, uh, and nuance in color. Well, Why We Broke Up is a story about a teenage couple who fall in love, and she collects all the artifacts of their relationship. And then when, when they break up, when it's over, when the love affair is over, she returns all of the artifacts to him, and she dumps them on, her door, on his doorstep. 
uh, Minerva and Ed. And the, and the idea of it is that we, we had worked on a children's book together, 13 words, and now we thought, and he had written the manuscript and I did the paintings. And the first word in the, in the children's book, because it's really how sublime Daniel is, the first word is bird. The second word, of course, in any children's book is despondent. It's called, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know and, and it really speaks to the idea that we know that, that um, and then the third word is cake because you try to cheer yourself up with cake. So we all know that there's dis despondency and despair and then cake for, for, for children and for adults, and that's how it is. The this book, Why We Broke Up, um, I, it was started from things that I like to paint, the everyday objects, and then Daniel wrote this book about the artifacts that Min is returning to Ed. All right, here are Scarpia's uh, bitter ale bottle caps. Funny you should bring that up. Funny you should bring that up. So they go to, they meet, they're in high school, they meet, they go to a part, they meet at a party and they drink beers in the backyard. She doesn't. And the uh, bottle caps, it's a bittersweet, it's a bitter 16 birthday of one of their friends. So they have Scarpia's bitter ale. And Daniel and I love opera and Tosca is one of our favorites. So Scarpia, of course, became, and we just found out that we might be extras non-singing extras in the production of Tosca next fall here. What, what are those called? Are those supernumeraries? Supernumerary, which his father was when he was a child. So it's a legacy that we're now we're carrying on together. Do you think he'll try to bring out an accordion, play an Italian street musician well, somewhere? I think they should give him uh, a singing part, but I said I definitely won't sing unless they really beg me to. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a great opera to be in, I mean, to be a supernumerary. I can't wait. I really, this is, a, this is a high point of my life. You know, it's really, you know, when you, when you hear it in Italian and you don't know, and if you don't know Italian, it sounds fantastic. But when you hear it sung in English, it's really kind of a silly story. Well, I mean, Tosca, Tosca goes up and she's, she's kind of flirting and she's talking about the color of the eyes. And, you know, she's kind of this real, she's kind of like this valley girl if Italy had valley girls. Is there but Puccini has done this great, PR job for it. Well, because every opera is insane, and every story is completely idiotic on many levels. And why are you hearing it in English? I, I heard a production in, uh, you know, at, uh, I think the ENO, the English National Opera. Really? Yeah. That's a good place. Yeah. Or I read that, you know, they had super titles somewhere. I don't know. I just, but I, I just suddenly struck. Okay. But, but I'll tell you, I'll tell no, you a story. Does... Can I tell you a story? Please. No, I don't have to tell you. I like this drawing here, this one here. I, I can't stop thinking about you with the crumpled paper. You do crumpled paper so well. Thank you. Thank you. It's my special. I crumple a lot of paper. It's a note that he sends to Min. I can't stop thinking about you. And uh, do I have a second to tell a quick story? But we've been traveling and collecting stories from people. And a sixth grader came. Uh, I, I, I was worried that, that kids weren't passing notes on paper anymore. It was all on the Kindle or tweeting or texting. But paper is used and notes are, are written. And the teachers do intercept and say, would you like to share that with us? Anyway, a, a girl who was in sixth grade came, uh, said, shared her story. A boy named Dylan sent her a note. And it says, why does it seem like you hate me? Which I think is incredible for a sixth grader to ask. You know, that's like the whole story of um, humanity. And she writes back, I don't hate you. Lizzie does. Which, <laughs> that's it. I mean, we, we, for that, for Daniel and for me, that was the moment where he said, this is the entire story of, the, of everybody's life, wandering around in this misery. Why does everybody hate me? Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Anywhere. Daniel says, Daniel says the Sunnis are writing that to the Shiites now. Right? <laughs> 
I mean, that does, that does capture it in a way. I mean, that's a very high concept reduction of world history. I think. Exactly. And tossed off by a blasé sixth grader. Like, remorse? Not a bit of it, you know? So. I mean, it's, it's sort of un, 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 unmediated by the UN in any way at all. Um, are you, are you uh, attracted to any of these new media to do drawing or painting? Well, I'm not attracted to any of it. I would rather be you know, working with a stick in the mud rather than working on a computer. But having said that, when my work has been on the New York Times site, um, the visibility is extraordinary, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the backlighting of the computer, which makes everything luminous and, and gorgeous, um, much more than the paintings. So I don't know. I, I don't want to be this kind of uh, Luddite eyed curmudgeon, though I, th I tend to that. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not attracted to anything. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Well, but Lizzie hates attracted, you. I'm attracted to your shoes. But. Oh, thank you. You can, you can draw them anytime you want. Uh, there was a, uh, I, I saw this uh, David Hockney exhibit uh, last week um, where he had taken some of his drawings uh, on an iPad and yes. blown them up onto paper, uh, which was, and they were drawings of Yosemite, and they were 12 feet high and 6 feet wide because he managed to print them onto four different, I guess three by six pieces of paper, and I was looking at them. I thought they look. What are they? And and I realized they must have been inkjet. I think the fancy word is gee clay. Right. But uh, it was. Uh, sounds always sounds better. I know it does. Uh, you know, and it was. Uh, they were kind of muted, and I realized there's a difference when you when you see something backlit. There is that sort of vibrancy, yeah. and and printed on the paper, they they had this interesting muted look to them. Right, it's always and especially of course whatever the paper is. I mean, if it's if it's matte and if it absorbs the inks. But he's been doing that for the New Yorker for the covers, right. and uh, it's an interesting. You know, it's it's interesting to see where the ha where the 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 resonance of an artist can enter into technology. That's what interests me, as opposed to what me the media itself. This is this. Uh, it's an exhibition at the Royal Academy, and it's it's showing he he would he developed this stand where he had six canvases, three at the top, three in the bottom, and he'd be painting on them, and they'd all kind of like different views, kind of the ways he would do some of his Polaroid overlays, and then he went further and he developed this stand where he had nine cameras on it, and would drive down the road, and they all had slightly different perspectives, and he was making video pieces. It was really fascinating. That's I mean. Good. Yeah. Good, good work. He's yeah. going to make West Yorkshire sexy in his, uh, again, I think. Oh. You know. Is that where he is? That's where he is now. Oh. He moved out of California and New York oh. and moved to England. Well, we'll go visit him there yeah. later. Are you inspired by landscape? Well, I never like a view. I hate views. But, yeah, you know, I don't like Did you just hear the audience? Yeah, no, no. What, I, what I'm saying is that I don't like to go to a place where they say, fabulous view here. Stop the car. Then I go, don't stop the car. Whatever you do, we're not stopping the car. <laughs> I will not. I'd rather sit in a parking lot and look, you know, at the litter. But, but having said that... Well, so you like to paint bottle caps, I understand. I of course. But, but having said that, uh, there's nothing better than a tree. I adore trees. And, and so I like to find myself walking in nature as long as I know there's a cafe not too far away. <laughs> you can see that I was born and bred in the, uh, in the wild um, of New York. Born and bred in the wild of New York. What was that uh, friend, uh, Fran Leibowitz line? My, my definition of the outer doors is the space between the doorman and the, and the taxi door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I stretch it a little bit. Yeah. You know, I include Central Park in that. Yeah. So what does your uh, drawing studio look out on, if anything? 
I have a studio in my building, which is a pretty incredible thing. That I, I used to work in my apartment, walking from the bed to the table and, and not knowing you know, how I could possibly go on. And then I got a studio in the building so I can stay in pajamas. And I look out onto uh, roofs of Paris. In, I'm on 12th Street. Right. I look, I have sharp vision, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know that John Cheever story about uh, how he, would, he had a writing place in the basement of his building and sort of to pretend he was normal or for his family or for the neighbors, he would get in dressed up in his overcoat, go down in the elevator with him in the morning, they'd all get off of the first floor and he'd continue on down to the basement to write his short stories. <laughs> That's right. Well, we go, you know, get dressed, go out, get a coffee and come back and go, ah, here, and the new day has begun. Have you ever spilled coffee on your artwork? Other people have. <laughs> and I'm prepared to say their names now on radio. I'm still bitter and, and uh, furious. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah. Oh, yikes. You sound like Mike and his piano. You don't, you don't allow anything delicate around, or I mean, anything spillable around your, your art table. That makes sense. Is, is there a, a kind of brush that you like to use? I like uh, Winsor Newton brushes. And I, and I wander around and, and I buy paints and I go to art supply stores all around the world and buy different, different things. It's, I adore art supply stores. What's the, what's the sort of the, the coolest, oddest little art supply color applicator thing you've come across? Uh, I have, I, I don't, I don't, well, I carry this beautiful Japanese brush with me which has a cartridge and it's easy to create paintings. You know, right here I could do one on your jacket, let's say. Okay. What do you think? Right. <laughs> it's a French jacket. It's ready. It's yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah. No. You want to do that? Okay. No. Uh, you have it with you? I have it in. I will have it over there in my bag. All right. We'll, we'll do it later. All right. Anyway, the, uh, so what? What's next for you? Well, besides Tusca, which is yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> occupying all of my my brain. Uh, Mario. Yes, I, I go to. Um, I'm going back to New York, and I will. Uh, work on more books and curate some shows for the Cooper Hewitt and and um, stuff for the New Yorker and stuff for the New York Times and and then go out and have cake and be happy. <laughs> Myra Coleman, go out and have cake and be happy. There you are. Why We Broke Up with Dan Handler. Daniel will be a guest next week. Food Rules and so many other books. Thank you very much for being on West Coast Live. Thank you. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.